in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Leave Sesame Street alone. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The latest woke catastrophe. Sesame Street abjectly apologizing for everything. White supremacy, racism. Uh, What happened? One of their little characters, one of their furry characters. uh, I don't know Rosita, but Rosita is what is Rosita? Rosita is like a greenish cookie monster who's not into cookies. Uh, she is, uh, I think her big thing is being Latina. She's cute, you know, big and furry, kind of like cookie monsters. Her eyes aren't as googly and she's marching through a parade, the Sesame street parade. And on camera, she seems (laughs) for a moment, uh, to be, uh, dissing two beautiful black children, uh, two little girls, uh, and they are adorable, and they got their little uh, knapsacks on, and they just looked like the best things in the world. Oh, boy. And it looks like for a split second, Rosita uh, doesn't want to give them a hug, doesn't want to say hi, doesn't want to do anything, just actually gives them the Heisman. <laughs> Says, no, step away. I am Rosita. I am not dealing with you. All right. Everybody needs to give Rosita a break. I have been there. I have done that. I've actually put on a Big Bird costume before. A lot of folks don't know what they're talking about when it comes to uh, this situation. Uh, There's no racism. I can't stand it, though, in a big corporation. Sesame Street. Who owns Sesame Street? I think it's HBO. The moment somebody says something on social media... Uh, your boss is going to cave, all right? Not my boss, but, you know, your boss, the man. The man in corporate, big corporate, will cave. They have to take a page from Trump. Everybody should go to, does Trump University still exist? I know they gave it a hard time, but I think he's got a lot to teach. You could go to Trump University, and one thing you got to learn how to do is how to be criticized by the mob and not mind it, or how to be criticized by the mob and love it. You get to the point it's I highly encourage it um, when they can say anything about you. They can say the most horrible, nasty. Uh, they, they can try to cancel you. And it just it's like what rain off of a duck. I, it just does not mean anything. In fact, it actually kind of gives you a little kick in your step. You actually enjoy it. Too. I know that sounds sick and it probably is to some degree. No corporate chief in America that I know of knows how to withstand it, knows how to deal with it. The only guy really at that level is Trump, and they should all listen and watch. Oh, by the way, hey, how about that Howard Schultz? You know who Howard Schultz is? Do me a favor. Get the Howard Schultz situation. Howard Schultz is the CEO of Starbucks. He ran for president for like two minutes. Nobody liked him. He's a total dud, and he's too liberal for everybody. But he's had a lot of cold coffee thrown in his face and because of this, uh, everything's racist mentality, um, cops, uh, hands-off approach, uh, crime is crazy. Crime is crazy everywhere we go, and they're, st- they're closing Starbucks. They have to deal with it. You know, it's one thing for George Stephanopoulos and uh, who else is really pushing this crazy stuff? PBS, NPR, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris to say this stuff because it makes them feel good and they can gain power. But who's left to deal with it? Well, those baristas. Why do we call them baristas, by the way, in the coffee shop? Anyway, they're great people. They work there. They get all kinds of nut jobs. Do you remember when 
you had to ask permission to use the restroom. There was like a system and somebody claimed racism and then all hell broke loose. Nothing was ever the same at Starbucks. Uh, we can come into Starbucks. We don't have to buy coffee. We can set up a camp. We can lay down on the floor. We can do anything we want. And I think for a time, Howard Schultz was like, yes, of course you can. Yes, we're not racist. Do whatever you like. Yes, this is a place of welcoming and inclusion and diversity and equity and all that stuff. Um, you can talk. <laughs> it sounds good, I guess. It sounds good to some people if you put it up on a board and say, yeah, we're going to apologize. We're going to fix all this systemic racism. We're going to fix it. We're going to address it. But that trickle-down effect is not very practical. It really isn't. Um, I hate racism, although I also kind of question the idea that this is a systemically racist country. It's not. I firmly believe it is not. I firmly believe the argument of systemic racism is um, a cynical political weapon that people like Joe Biden and uh, you you name it, they use it to accrue power and money. Eric Adams, he's done it. He's actually, in a weird way, more clever, even though he's dumber than your average politician. He's not without savvy. Hey, Bill de Blasio is gone and gone forever. He got choked up yesterday. Did you see that? Do we have that? All right. Bill de Blasio makes, he tells everybody, look, I'm not going to be a congressman. Nobody likes me, and uh, I'm leaving electoral politics. Here's the deal. The guy does need a job. He needs work. Um problem is for him we've all seen that he's no good at anything oh here he is bill de blasio calling it a career go ahead i've listened really carefully to people and it's clear to me that when it comes to this congressional district people are looking for another option anybody i respect that and i just want to say i love the people of this city I really want to keep serving, and I'm going to find a different way to serve. But I'm filled with gratitude at the same time. I've been on an amazing journey with so many of you. And even though this is not going to work out. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. You screwed up this city so bad. You know, for a moment there, I was about to feel sorry for him. For for a moment there, I was about to feel generous. But you know what? And I Look, I want the best for everybody, okay? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I really don't like Bill de Blasio. I really, really, really don't like him. Uh, and why don't I like him? Because he, he lied about this city. He lied about this city in a cheap way to achieve power for himself. He pretended the NYPD was broken. He pretended that this was a racist city. And you know what? Now we got a real problem on our hands with race. A real problem. He talked it. He made it into a reality. He and so many others across the country. Five years ago, we didn't have these kinds of problems. We really didn't. Yes, there were moments and there were instances and we dealt with them but now it's we basically canceled the system we threw it out we delegitimized it thanks to bill de blasio and others like him all to achieve power and status however he doesn't have much of either right now you know it's like trump said if you go woke you get demented you really do hey the department of homeland security we established this after january i'm sorry september 11th I almost said January 6th because that was such a horrible day in American history, right? No, September 11th, nearly 3,000 people were killed. We established the Department of Homeland Security because we couldn't screw around. We couldn't have these uh, law enforcement agencies at the federal level competing with each other, not sharing information. Uh, George W. Bush, July 2002, announcing the Department of Homeland Security cut 17. 
By acting together to create a new and single Department of Homeland Security, we'll be sending this world a signal that the Congress and the administration will work together to protect the American people and to win this war on terror. All right, win the war on terror and protect the American people. All on board. Although he did say, what's that very first part of that? The very first part he says something else. By acting together to create a new and single Department of Homeland Security, we'll be sending this world a signal that the Congress and the administration will work together. Okay. The world a signal that the Congress and the administration will work together. How about that? That the government will work together. Is that the signal that they really received? I don't know about that, but the Department of Homeland Security was to protect the homeland. They just established a new office of health security. Yes, health security. Now, I thought, okay, well, you know, we need, I guess, health security. we got to worry about uh, weapons of mass destruction. We've got to worry about, uh, you know, the, the biological weapons that they, they could use. We've got to worry about pandemics. No, it's none of that stuff. It's for wellness at the workplace, wellness programs at the workplace, and also for those who happen to be foreigners in federal custody. We want to make sure they're healthy. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that, but does it have to be made a priority? But what about that? Wellness programs, wellness programs at work and at home, wellness programs, yoga, smoothies, Department of Homeland Security. Look, a couple of things have happened. We have degraded. We have lost our way. And also, it's the nature of the swamp. You know, you're, you're created to start, you're created to do one thing, defend the homeland. And then, you know, mission creep. You know, you, you get into other things that have nothing to do, and you're always expanding. You always want more. You always want more money, more programs, more this, more that. And then two decades later, we're doing smoothies and yoga and wellness programs at the office. You can have that. That's fine. Go work at, uh, I don't know, Google. They're into that stuff. But the Department of Homeland Security worried about that in your workplace. They also say, oh, the Department of, I'm sorry, the Office of Health Security will address workplace safety. We already have literally OSHA. We have OSHA. It's a federal department, the occupational, what does it stand for again? Occupational Safety Hazard Administration, occupational, something like that. We have one of those things. We have OSHA. Now the Department of Homeland Security, we are, there is so much waste. And yeah, so much fraud. Okay, what does OSHA stand for? Occupational Safety and Health Administration, right? Um, We already have that. And now we have this. Uh... Last night I did this. It reminded me of, who remembers Fast Times at Ridgemont High? And Mr. Hond. Mr. Hond. Mr. Hond. Aloha, Spicoli. Cut 18, please. Here you go, dude. Hold on. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? I think about that line all the time. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Biden administration, Department of Homeland Security. Don't some of you swamp bureaucrats say, no way, we're not doing this. Can you sabotage this administration like you tried to sabotage the Trump administration? That would be a good idea. Say, no, we're not into wellness programs at the Department of Homeland Security. We're about kicking terrorist ass, something along those lines. Hey, by the way, that was Fast Times at Richmond High when Spicoli, played by Sean Penn, 
orders a pizza during social studies class. And uh, Mr. Hond can't believe it. Well, that's I think about him a lot when I see something just totally stupendously wrong. And that actually breaks my heart a little bit, that the Department of Homeland Security which is just a great big colossal bureaucracy, and they've lost their way. They don't care. They care about jobs. They care about influence. They care about money. Uh, they care about the swamp. Ooh, speaking of which, um, this Pete Buttigieg, he is now the Secretary of the Treasury. you got to remember this about Pete uh, because he's pr- they're probably going to make him uh, vice president. They're going to push him along the way big time. And why would they do that? Why would they do that? Well, he fits... He's got some things going for him. Yeah, he went to Harvard, and uh, okay, he's uh, he's pretty slick. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing that they like about him, and he can't shut up about it. You ready? He's gay. Cut 21. Look, being gay is part of who I am, and it's part of my story, and it has shaped me in some important ways. I'm comfortable dealing with bullies. I'm gay, and I grew up in Indiana, so I'm not that worried about that. I am proud of who I am. I'm certainly very proud of my my marriage and of my husband. We don't shy away from that. It took me a long time to figure out how to tell even my best friend that I was gay, let alone to go out there and tell the world. Um, You don't have to tell anybody else. You really don't. But that's what it's all about what people look like, their orientation, at least when it comes to Democrats. All right, Corinne Jean-Pierre, our incompetent press secretary. Why is she there? Cut 26. The man who is now sitting in the building I used to work in hates everything that I am. A black gay immigrant woman. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. Can we talk about you as a trailblazer, the first black, the first immigrant, the first openly gay person to hold the job of White House press secretary? Any young, young girl or young boy, when they look up, they see me, that they know that they can dream big and even dream bigger. Okay. Uh, any young girl or young boy who sees Corrine Jean-Pierre at that podium getting it wrong every single time. Cut 25. As we know um, from the Dobbs decision, uh, one of the things that uh, we saw uh, from uh, from Judge Thompson is that they're looking to go further. Judge Thompson, Judge Thompson, make that Justice Thomas. Justice Thomas, this is what happens when you go woke, when you only think about orientation, race, ethnicity. You get incompetence. And one of the reasons why, because they look, oh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, you're here right now. Great. Let's sign you up. What about all the other gay immigrant, uh, what else was she that she likes so much? Gay immigrant, whatever. Uh, There are plenty, plenty who are better than she is. But you're lazy. You're lazy. So you get the one who brags about it. You know, there's so many competent people out there. It looks like all kinds of things. If you look for the competence, look for the ability first. The outside will take care of itself. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm looking at Carl Rove right now on TV. Carl Rove, the guy who gave us George W. Bush, the guy who helped give us the Iraq War. And he's sitting there with his silly whiteboard telling us anything about America. 
Karl Rove. Still haven't gotten over the Iraq War. Still haven't gotten over that the this country re-elected George W. Bush in 2004. He didn't care about you. He didn't care about anything. Power and money. What was that whole thing? Restoring honor and integrity to the Oval Office. He was talking about not getting oral sex from interns in the Oval Office. And yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit much. But um, I think invading the wrong country for weapons of mass destruction. And there are no weapons of mass destruction there. And the whole country says, well, well you know, it's uh, better to fight the terrorists over there than fight them here. That BS slogan is something the White House communications comm shop communications team came up with. And they fooled us. They fooled a lot of people with that cornball crap. Trying to portray themselves as middle America and down home. It's one of the reasons why Trump did so well. He saw through all that stuff. He wasn't marketing. He was connecting He didn't have to market, come up with clever slogans. He connected with us. I'm so proud, by the way, that I saw that. The day he came down the escalator, I was in that room. And I was blown away, and I said it publicly. He's going to go all the way. He's going to go all the way. He understands this country. You know, sometimes you got to watch and wait and think and experience and try and fail Build. What do these other what do these other people do? What does Joe Biden do? What did George W. Bush do? Other than be his the president's son, fail at everything he ever tried, and then got lucky. I guess he was born lucky, right? I almost want to throw something at the television when I see Carl Rove on it. The brains behind George W. Bush. Well, this stuff is cyclical, and we'll get out of this. It's very hot outside. People are saying, oh, it's – I, you know, I'm not obsessive about climate change. I'm not. But the left has lied about everything else. Why wouldn't they lie about climate change? And I think they are, actually, because they want to reengineer society in the darkest possible way. Cut one, please. This is the Secretary of Commerce – Gina Raimondo, cut one. And of course, in the long run, the solution is to move as fast as possible away from fossil fuels so that we, uh, frankly, are never again in this situation. Never again in this situation, what, of high gas prices? Thanks a lot. You know, there are a lot of people who think they are creating this pain on purpose, and there's a hell of a lot of (laughs) evidence to suggest as much. The Secretary of Transportation, hey, we were just talking about him. Um, Mr. Pete, I am gay. Buttigieg, cut two, please. Of course, the more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. And who can access electric vehicles? And who wants to, by the way? They had a little conversation a little bit back and forth. These cars are expensive. They are high maintenance. They're a problem. Oh, here's something interesting that I heard. A lot of these electrical vehicles... Don't get AM radio. There's some sort of conflict with the AM band and the radio and the battery. I don't know about that. I think they don't want AM. Ra- Who dominates AM radio? Huh? Conservative talk. Sean Hannity, number one show. The late great Rush Limbaugh. 
conservative talk. They don't want it's a little thing they did, a little thing they did, I think, to try to gain favor. When you cheat, in the long run, you lose, though. Uh, we are losing wars, but we're waging a phony one against climate change. This is the Pentagon. The Pentagon. Admiral Kirby. Cut three. Oh, we have no time for that. Oh, well. Guy named Kirby can't be that important anyway. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Joe Biden is on his way to uh, Massachusetts. I think he's there now. He's going to give a major speech on wind energy. On wind energy. We got to move to wind. I played some video last night on my Newsmax show. Uh, I think windmills are beautiful. Uh, They're not, actually. They're ugly. They're loud. Uh, They're horrible things. I'm not talking about the ones, you know, in Holland. I'm talking about the modern ones that we have. There are a lot of them in California. I was once driving on some uh, near Ojai. Is that what it's called? Ojai, California. It's out in the desert. There must have been a million of these things. And Donald Trump is not wrong at all when he talks about uh, wind and the problems associated with it. Do you remember this from the debate? Uh, Cut 23. I know more about wind than you do. It's extremely expensive, kills all the birds, it's very intermittent, it's got a lot of problems, and they happen to make the windmills in both Germany and China, and the fumes coming up, if you're a believer in carbon emission, the fumes coming up to make make these massive windmills is more than anything that we're talking about with natural gas, which is very clean. One other thing. Find me a scientist. I love solar, but solar doesn't quite have it yet. It's not powerful yet to to really run our big, beautiful factories that we need to compete with the world. He is so right about everything he said. And there's an interesting moment. You heard Biden laugh. <laughs> He's like cracking up. But then something happens. You can tell. The viewer can tell. Joe Biden can tell. So wait a second. This guy actually knows what he's talking about. This guy knows something. When he slips in Germany... They're manufactured in Germany. Do you know where the windmills came from? (laughs) When he says Germany and China, he starts talking about the intermittent power. He starts talking about earlier the environmental impact statements he had to come up with when establishing golf courses. This guy knows a lot about this stuff. And something shifts ever so slightly in Joe Biden's demeanor. He goes from laughing. His eyes shift. He's like, "Uh uh-oh. I've seen it before from politicians. Whenever they get around somebody who knows more than they do, There's a slight shift because these guys, almost all of them, are silly, 
vapid, superficial, phony, in it for some sort of facsimile of fame, uh, you know, shake hands, smile for the camera, all that crap. Just figure out new and innovative ways to be light, right? Vote for me. Give me a check. Vote for me. Give me a check. I'll do you a favor. I'll get your son into the Naval Academy. Vote for me. Write me a check. And then you have somebody like Trump who actually knows this stuff. It was an amazing moment. It really was. And here's Joe Biden actually bending over backwards to get people to like him. Can you actually say that about Trump when he was campaigning? Did he campaign in such a way to get you to like him? No. You know, good leaders, they're not worried about being liked. Okay? Effective leaders. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, nothing is easier than being a boss who just gives everything away. You know? Just tries to be the friend. And you'll like, you may like your, but do you respect him? Hmm? I'm not talking about anybody right now, but in the Marine Corps, I saw this. Sometimes you had officers who just wanted to be friends with the troops. They wanted to be liked. What's that movie? A Bronx Tale? Better to be uh, respected than liked, feared than liked, or something like that. Feared and or respected. Uh, All right, here's Joe Biden uh, just getting up real close to a young girl saying, I'm going to get rid of uh, fossil fuels. Cut 24. I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Look into my eyes. He got up real close to this young girl who's just 24 years old. They have, uh, I don't know. I mean, go outside. Does it really seem like we're in a crisis when it comes to the environment? You want to go to where the problem is, go to China and go to India, uh, go to certain countries in Africa, uh, certain countries in Eastern Europe. There's a real problem over there. But we have the EPA, which was started by Richard Nixon. We have a great deal of corporate compliance. This is, uh, this is clean air in this country. We're not the offenders. Yet we are the ones who are paying the penalty. And it looks like we're going to pay even more uh, if this uh, regime stays around much longer. Hey, Ivana Trump, the funeral is right now. And... That's sad. She was only 73 years old, died falling down the steps. I just talked to Eric Trump last week. I had him on the the Newsmax show. A total prince, just like all those kids. They are just the best. Uh, They're sophisticated, but they're also tough, you know? And Ivana, I only met her once, and I felt like I was in the presence of royalty. It was a real treat. It was a real treat. It was back in the 2016 campaign. I had seen her around, but I never talked with her. And at a moment, I just mentioned about, you know, uh, that I was a fan of Eric, and, and she opened up about that. Uh, Donald Trump and Ivana, 19, when were they married? 77 to 1990 about, right? I must admit, I was really disappointed with that divorce. They seemed like such a powerhouse couple. They really had something going on. And uh, I was I was sad. I do remember it. I remember where I was. When I saw the headline, Ivana, $100 million. Remember that? It was on the New York Post. I was on Fordham Road. There was a newsstand uh, right at Fordham Road and Webster Avenue. And I remember seeing that and thinking, hmm, I think it was, I can't remember when exactly. Ooh, that's Marla Maples going in there. Is that Marla? No, I'm sorry. That's, 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 I'm so sorry. That's Ivanka Trump. They have a camera right outside the church. That's a little bit much, right? Do we have to do that? And there's Eric. 
Uh, yeah, it's happening right now. Rest in peace, Ivana Trump. Real great American success story came here from uh, Czechoslovakia, which we now call the Czech Republic. Multilingual. You know, all the kids, I believe, speak Czech because they spent so much time over there with the grandparents. Uh, and there's Don Jr., uh, Kimberly, various children, right in front of the church, 66th Street in Lexington, St. Vincent Ferrer. And, uh, well, sad moment, but uh, but beautiful at the same time, a celebration. And look at all of her offspring, how proud she is. I think the president, President Trump, uh, he's definitely going to be there. We'll keep you posted. I see Fox News has it live. Nobody else does. And uh, it's appropriate. It's appropriate. A great woman. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rick in Paramus. Yes, hi. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, Paramus just happens to, I think, be the uh, the site of Tesla's number one car store on uh, Route 17. And people who are well-to-do are buying them like crazy. And the reason is, well, one, it's, you know, it's fad, maybe a fad. But when you buy a gallon of gas in a regular car, the road taxes are in the price of the of the gallon. What is it in New Jersey? Forty five cents maybe. When you uh, when you charge your Tesla or an electric car at home, you don't pay for the roads. Yeah, they're subsidizing the hell out of it, but in a way, you are paying for the roads. Everybody is. I mean, they subsidize the hell out of the uh, in the purchase. And the development of these electric cars subsidize them with government money, taxpayer money. And they want people to buy them. But guess what? People can't. Also, people don't want to. We have to respect that. It's not ready yet. A friend of mine pointed out it's like making everybody switch to a cell phone in 1987. There were some cell phones available, but they were expensive and they weren't any good. Some were okay. Some were better than others. What if they wrote everybody a check for 1000 bucks to buy a, a, you know, a so-so cell phone? Let private industry work its magic, okay? They will, sooner or later. And if it's a better product, great. We'll all switch. Why the rush? Oh, climate change, right? I mean, don't you feel like it's an artificial urgency that we have here? Listen to these people. Here's the Pentagon, that Kirby guy I was talking about. Cut three. I'm not going to get ahead of any announcements um, uh, on specific um, actions with respect to, to climate. But let me take a step back. I mean, the, the, the Pentagon has noted, um, not just in this administration, but even the previous one, that climate change is a national security uh, issue. Not only does it affect our infrastructure, and you're already starting to see military bases like Norfolk Naval Base. All right, stop for a second. To- no, no. He's, he's being very glib, this guy. He's being, he's being tricky. Um, it was this administration who had their Pentagon call climate a national emer- a national security threat, a national security threat. No other administration had done that. The hyperbole, the exaggeration. Anyway, uh, that's how I feel about that. James in Valley Stream, yeah. Hello. 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 Uh, I wanted to say that the Russian GI of today is no different than the Russian GI of the Second World War. They, they surrendered like crazy uh, to the Germans. And the, the, when 
when Biden offered to take 100,000 Ukrainians, he should have offered to take the first 100,000 Russian GIs. They would and offer them entry to the United States. Ah, no, we don't want to do that. Hey, James, aren't you the guy? You're in your 90s, right? Yeah, 96. And weren't you in World War II? Yeah, and after World War II, they barricaded themselves in a church because we had a repatriation agreement. We yeah. were supposed to turn over the Russians to the Russians. They, they torched the uh, church, and they killed themselves. Rather, they go back. Uh, so uh, what did you do in the military? Uh, the Air Force, uh, radio mechanic. Uh, all right. You retired now, or what do you do for a living? <laughs> 96. I'm, on, I'm horizontal most of the time. All right. No, I, you sound better than when you last called. You're all angry and mad about stuff. You seem a bit more, I don't know, laid Vice back. President, you yeah. know. You know, I just wanted to say one compliment to you. Mm -hmm. If anybody reaches the heights of Rush Limbaugh, it'll be you. You know why? Because you go back and forth with your guests. You let them talk, and you talk back and forth. Most of the guests, they let them say what they want, and then they go into their spiel, and and that's the end of it. Uh, So you're basically telling me, I let you talk, therefore I'm going to be the next Rush Limbaugh. Right. Uh, All right. Well, I don't know. There's a bit more involved than that, but I appreciate it. James, uh, no, thank you, I guess. Uh, I thought you were going to give me a compliment that was going to, you know, make my head swell a little bit, but uh, oh well. Uh, Anyway, um, you got friends and family out there? No, no, no. no, Just um, that'll be that. Gosh, I am, uh, I'm not saying I'm fishing for compliments, but I don't mind them every now and then. Uh, What else here? Rush. You know, I know his brother very well, Dave Limbaugh, and uh, he used to fill in on Rush's show, did a great job, and he's a lawyer and is a great lawyer as well. Uh, he's the real deal. Hey, the January 6 hearings continue tomorrow night in prime time. Uh, these are not real hearings. This is a show trial. This is all design. This is all, well, it's all phony. Just like this. Hey, I love Larry King. But do you remember when Larry King left CNN and he started to do stuff like this, Cut 28? Welcome. I'm Larry King, and I'm here today to report on a significant health-related investigation that's been taking place for the past couple of years. Wow. The information I will provide you during the course of this show is relevant to everyone's health, and oh, my goodness. All right. Ago. So what this is is an infomercial. He tried to make it look like his old Larry King with the light bright set and everything like that. He's wearing the suspenders. He's got the big fake radio microphone in front of him. I love Larry King, by the way. But, uh, hey, you do what you got to do. I don't know if he had to do this. He was such a rich man. He had houses all over the place. I guess he had a lot of ex-wives and alimony. But he started doing these shows that were TV commercials. And it's just like the January 6th hearing, which will start tomorrow. I would love it, love it, love it if we had a real inquiry into January 6th, a real inquiry into January 6th. And the law enforcement failures of the Capitol Hill Police Department, the FBI, um, intelligence agencies, this all was known ahead of time, but nothing was done. 
And then those crummy cops, who are they? Fanon, Gunnell, Dunn, Hodges, when they get up there and somehow cry as if a, a fighting a riot, putting down a riot. I remember my dad was on riot duty. My dad, he, one of the very first things he had to do was, uh, uh, what was that riot? It was in 1967. I think there were race riots. And they sent him out. They they didn't even have him finish the academy. At one point, they just handed out a bunch of guns and batons and said, go deal with that violence. These guys cried about it. Somehow, somehow they think fighting a riot is beneath them. They really are in the long, wrong line of work. January 6th hearings will be tomorrow night. Let's try to boycott them, huh? What do you say? Enjoy my show instead. It's at 10 o'clock on Newsmax tomorrow night. 10 o'clock, Newsmax tomorrow night. Oh, and tonight. What am I talking about? I don't have tonight off. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I can't believe at one point I actually wanted to be a member of Congress. I actually thought about it. It was a long time ago, almost 20 years ago. I took a good hard look at running for Congress. I did. I actually met with the people you got to meet with. I'm like, look, I'm thinking about doing this and, uh, uh, you know, will you support me? What do I have to do? How do I do this? And you know what they wanted to talk about? How much money do you got? How much money can you get? I felt like such a chump. I remember studying up on all the issues and, you know, just really getting smart. I wanted them to see me as a policy wonk. I really wanted to know everything that I needed to know to be an effective representative of the people. Okay, let's talk cash. That's all they wanted to talk about. Uh, so uh, actually, uh, even though that was kind of depressing, I still I still uh, studied it and talked to the people and, uh, yeah, made a plan. Okay, how could I get this kind of money? What do I do? What do I, because uh, we had just invaded Iraq, and I thought that was a disgrace, and I thought, I can't let this happen again, and uh, I, what am I going to do? Just ask a question someday? You know, I want to be able to influence policy, and I, I think I could do that or influence national policy on national security, and I thought I could possibly do that as a – as a member of Congress. But in the end, uh, I didn't do it. Um, a number of reasons. Uh, in part, I, people close to me said, this is not a good idea. Uh, you won't like being a member of Congress. And uh, they were right. They were very right. And about six months later, I was very sad about it. I realized, like, damn it, I should have done it. Damn it, I should have done it. And then one day I realized, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't do it. It was very liberating. I don't have to, you know, be careful about what the hell I say all the time. And, uh, you know, I can be my authentic self. You know, those politicians, a lot of them are, hey, that's one of the reasons why you like Trump. He wasn't sugarcoating anything. He was being himself. It's easier to do that when you're a billionaire. <laughs> it's it's a little bit harder when you got to ask everybody else for $10 to wage a campaign. You know, oh, you can't offend this person. You can't offend that person. Uh, so came close. Didn't do it. So glad. Glad I thought about it. And uh, and here we are. All right. Uh, I wonder what that would have looked like had I gotten in there. I don't know. Who else do I know who did that? Uh, Michael Grimm, Staten Island Republican. Boy, oh, boy, did they screw that guy over or what? I'll never forget. And I have, you know, the government. I love our country. I love our Constitution. I got real, real problems and beef with the government. I really do. Well, first on Grimm. You know, they were harassing this guy. They were essentially harassing him. And I think one of the reasons why is because Schumer somehow was annoyed with him. Schumer didn't like him. 
And I don't know what happened, but one thing led to another, and they start looking at the fruit stand he ran like 15 years ago. All right? They started looking at the fruit stand accounting. Okay, what happened with these, this at the fruit stand you were in charge of? Wait, what is, wait a second. You had delivery boys who were not on the payroll. You paid the fruit stand delivery boys under the table? Lock them up. Lock him up. It wasn't a bribe. He wasn't receiving bribes. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't undermining his office. He didn't do anything wrong. This kind of thing, by the way, happens all the time. Any delivery boy you see most likely is being paid under the books, off the books, rather, under the table. Uh, yeah, how does it go again? Off the ta- uh, Under the table, off the books. That's what was going down. And they just screwed this guy. I remember Loretta Lynch, who was the attorney general, who came out and said, uh, Michael Grimm has betrayed his oath of office as a member of Congress and as a United States Marine. No, 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 he didn't. You're talking about that one, that this one interlude when he wasn't a Marine and he wasn't a public official. He was running a fruit stand where you could actually, it was a little bit more than a fruit stand. You could go in and they'll make you a smoothie. And they looked at his books, and they looked at him and looked at him and looked at him and looked at him for a year. And they found something. Now, 99, 99 times out of 100, more like 999,999 times out of a million, they'll say, okay, you got to pay a fine for this. Okay, you can't have a fruit stand license for two years. Something along those lines. No, they threw the guy in jail. He's terrific, by the way. He's out and about doing his thing. Newsmax contributor, amazing guy, great resilience, and a very, very uh, fit. He's a fitness fanatic. Good for him. I wish I could do that. I'm having trouble again. Uh, what's the other thing? Yeah, because they harassed anybody. They harass anybody they don't like politically. And here's proof, by the way, in my opinion. I'll call this proof. Um when they went after everybody associated with Trump. We have that footage, all that stuff from, uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, here we go. Cut 35, if you don't mind. They think this implicates Trump. It doesn't. It implicates rogue, corrupt, partisan prosecutors. Cut 35. Breaking news right now, but another Trump associate being interviewed by the special counsel, Robert Mueller's investigator. This is uh, just the latest in a long list of close Trump associates who have faced criminal charges. The third former Trump associate now entering into a plea bargain uh, with special counsel Robert Mueller. Seven people have pleaded guilty. We've learned at least 16 Trump associates have had contact with Russians. You look it up. You can go back and look up those cases. They went to, they pleaded guilty for things that had nothing to do with Trump or often perjury traps. My friend Dwight Chapin, who worked for Richard Nixon and actually had to go to jail over at Watergate, even though he did absolutely nothing wrong. And they knew that. They knew that. Uh, But they got him on a, a perjury, perjury trap. It's kind of a complicated, but the way he phrased something, they said, no, he was misleading. And uh, you think, well, if, how could you fall for that? I mean, if he, if he lied, he lied, right? No. No, it's a perjury trap. You can be telling the truth, being as honest as possible, and they can still figure out a way to get you on perjury. It's really amazing. And they'll threaten your family. 
Ask Michael Flynn about that. Anyway, I still love America, not so much the government. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, more Fox News spinning for Joe Biden. Huh? Telling me that Joe Biden is uh, not doing such a bad job after all. And that Cassidy Hutchinson, oh, in that January 6th committee hearing. So, so powerful, so moving. I don't know how they're going to get out of this one. Oh, there's Brett Baer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, hey, 53 years ago, right now, what were they doing on the moon? Landing on it, baby. Listen to this. That's one small step for man. All right, let's hear a little bit more. How about the part where they land and they say, you got a bunch of guys breathing again. We're about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thank you very much. You just That's Charlie Duke narrating the whole touchdown sequence. It's so cool. So anyway, that was Neil Armstrong. Hey, can you believe they made a big thing between Neil and Buzz? I mean, if you and I drove across country in a car and we get to California, are we going to say, if you get out of the car first, that you beat me to California? No, we got there at the same time. I think they were not careful enough in taking care of these guys. They created a rift. They created a rivalry. They created all kinds of issues for, well, primarily for Buzz, because they overdid it on the first man on the moon, the first men on the moon. They got there at exactly the same time wasn't about who set foot first, Neil or Buzz, and I'm so sorry that became kind of a thing. You know, they go a couple of weeks after they get back, and they go to the post office, I mean the post office headquarters, and what happened was um, they unveil a stamp, and it says, First Man on the Moon. Well, what the hell, what the hell are Mike Collins and, uh, and uh, Buzz supposed to think? First man on the moon. That's the stamp. That's the big commemorative stamp. It wasn't nice. It wasn't wasn't thoughtful. They were not thoughtful. They should have been more thoughtful. People are not thoughtful enough. People are just given to just get it done. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. People show me slogans. Hey, what do you think of the slogan? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I let me let me think about it. And then I usually find, not always, but I'm like, people say I'm a nitpicker. You know. Why don't you be like everybody else? Just say, yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, sure, it's good. Yeah, whatever, uh-huh. Yeah, just do it. No, think about it. Think about it a little bit. How the hell did we make a stamp that dissed one of the men who walked on the moon in Apollo 11? Buzz Aldrin, great man. He is still alive, by the way. Buzz Aldrin, I know his age. He is uh, 92. He was born January 20th, Inauguration Day. In 1930, all three Apollo 11 astronauts were born in 1930. We lost Mike Collins, the command module pilot, a few uh, years ago. And um, Neil Armstrong died all the way back in 2014. But uh, Buzz Aldrin is still alive. Fantastic. We only have three moonwalkers left, three men alive who have been to the moon. Uh, Buzz Aldrin. The other guy is uh, Jack Schmidt. And one more, one more. Uh, Dave Scott. Dave Scott. If you met either Dave Scott or Jack Schmidt, you would not recognize them. You know, they'd just be it's a face in the crowd. That's it. But it's incredible. They've been to the moon. Now, hopefully we'll go back 
seems to me like we've been screwing around for way too uh, much time. And what the hell is uh, Elon Musk doing with these rocket ships? He's a bit more serious than Jeff Bezos taking uh, Michael Strahan and Captain Kirk for a ride. What was that all about? And they didn't really go to space. I put space in quotes. They did not go all the way up to space. They went to the exosphere, the this sphere. Did you notice they weren't wearing space helmets when they went up there? So that's not that high. It's not actually as high as Alan Shepard went. He's the first man in space, the first American man in space. They didn't go nearly as high as Alan Shepard. Let's get back to the moon, for crying out loud. We haven't been back since uh, 1972. Our first mission was in 1969. Our last Apollo mission was in 1972, December of 72. Nixon was president. The last time Richard Nixon was president. Not only that, not only have we not been back to the moon since 72, we haven't been in deep space since then. Isn't that crazy? Every time we send a, a rocket up, well, with the shuttle, we don't do that anymore with the Russians, the International Space Station. Hey, what's the altitude of the International Space Station? It's not that high. It's like, I'm going to guess it's like 130 miles, something like that. It's You can find out where it is right now, the International Space Station. You know, we do a lot of silly things with our phones. International Space Station Locator. Let's just see where the hell it is. Uh, live Space Station Tracking. Um Oh, come on, man. It doesn't seem to be working right now. The tracker shows. Where is it? Hold on. I want to know. Oh, no, I take that back. It is over southern Mexico, it looks like. And how, what is the altitude? I don't know. I can't tell from this. It's only, it's not that high. Believe me. Oh, wait a second. No, sorry. It is in the South Pacific, way, way, way South Pacific. And its altitude is 436 kilometers. How many miles is that? It's fewer miles. It's like 270 miles high. 270 miles high. I mean, Washington, D.C. is, is, is further away, I think. I, it just, it's not that high. And how fast is it going? Ooh, this is kind of cool. It's going 27,535 kilometers per hour. What's up with the metric system? Why are we using the metric system? This isn't a, well, I guess it's the International Space Station, so we have to, uh, uh, but there it is. It's cruising along. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, we thank you for what you uh, did all that time, a long time ago. Not one of those guys went back into space. They kind of understandably cashed in, uh, in in different ways. Neil Armstrong actually became a professor at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, isn't that interesting? Why did they do that? He all he also did like commercials for cars, and he made a lot of money. Buzz Aldrin stays in the Air Force, and this is the part that totally fascinates me and confuses me. I asked him about this once. I've met Buzz Aldrin, so he gets back from the ultimate trip in the ultimate vehicle, and he stays in the Air Force. And one of the first assignments they gave him, he's a colonel, uh, they made him the dean, the president, the head, the commanding officer of the test pilot school, the U.S. Air Force test pilot school. Well, curiously, he felt inadequate. He felt so inadequate being the head of the test pilot school. You know why? Because he never graduated from that school. And I find that just 
wait a second, but you you flew the lunar module. What are you talking about? You, you're the ultimate test vehicle in the world. You know, it, it would be like Steve Jobs having a hang-up that he didn't go to business school. You know, or it just it made no sense to me. But uh, I guess the Air Force made him feel kind of small about that. Not necessarily worthy. Guess what? When these guys got back, oh boy, there was so much jealousy. So much jealousy and resentment from some of the astronaut corps, some of the military. None of these guys went on to anything spectacular in the military. One of the reasons was when they're learning how to fly those spaceships, guess what's happening? The Vietnam War. Guess what they're not doing? They're not in the Vietnam War. Guess where careers are made? In war. Now, not to say these guys are not heroes. Hell, they. Buzz Aldrin, I think, shot down five or six different airplanes during the Korean War. They all had, most of them had combat experience uh, in Korea and some in World War II. Actually, I think, uh, was Neil, did Neil catch? I don't think he did. Anyway, I love that stuff. I can't wait to go back. And I, I, there's this one I'm really rooting for, and I don't want to root for her too loudly because I don't want to screw her chances up because NASA is so woke and crazy, and if they find out that somebody like me is rooting for uh, this astronaut who grew up in Baldwin, it's a woman. I won't even say her name because I don't want to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. Her name is Jasmine Mogbelli, and she, I never met her, have never communicated with her, but I just know who she is. And she is a resident or born in Baldwin, Long Island. I guess she was probably born at Mercy Hospital, grew up in Baldwin, went to Baldwin High School, and then she went to Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Then she's commissioned a Marine Corps officer and flies helicopters in the Marine Corps, Cobras. That's a really cool attack helicopter. And then she uh, enrolls in the astronaut program. And she's got a damn good chance at walking on the moon someday. A damn good chance. I think she's already been selected to go to the International Space Station pretty soon. She may even be up there by now. Uh, but she's, uh, that's great. Actually, she might just be up there. Who's on the space station right now? Uh, I just think that would be just somebody from Baldwin, Long Island, walking on the moon. She would be... Well, how many people walk there in total? 12. That's it. Just 12. Uh, Oh, back to those Capitol Hill police officers. Remember when they were crying about how they were treated on January 6th? Cut 29, please. Cut 29. No. Because of all the chemical that I, my uniform had on. Sorry. I was carried back inside. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. One of the invaders approached me like he was going to try to get past me and head down the stairs. I was stunned by what I saw. Why the hell would they be crying? I'm sorry, but that's not right. That is not right. I know we're, we've become this weirdo kind of uh, exhibitionist country when it comes to emotion. You know, let it all hang out there. Uh, but no. When you join the police department, you kind of know that there are some things you're going to have to do. And one of them, especially if you work at a place like the Capitol, might have to be deal with a riot, deal with a protest. Now, maybe we should just stop calling the Capitol Hill police police. It's the Capitol Hill Security Guard Detachment. 
Maybe we should think about giving it to some real professionals like the U.S. Marshals. I don't know, but this has got to stop. I, last night on the Newsback show, I showed all kinds of pictures of police being attacked by protesters. It happened all throughout Black Lives Matter summer. Happened in my neighborhood, by the way. I got a picture. It's fantastic. I should put it up on Twitter. Not that I tweet like I used to, but I'm going to. Um, it's a bunch of cops who are under siege. They're dealing with uh, rioters. And one, oh, by the way, they're just, the cops are all different colors, all different shapes, all different sizes. I think my favorite one in the picture is this, uh, is this cop she's probably she's probably 25 years old i think she's black and she's got a baton in her hand and she's man she's fighting she's fighting she's holding her own i love it uh i found pictures like that in the night i went all the way back to 1932 there was a big clash right outside the uh capital a big riot a bunch of army veterans were upset that they did not get their pensions and they were going nuts and they were mad and they were rioting and they were clashing with the cops did they have congressional hearings for them did they have the congressional hearings for that 25 year old cop of color that i like no no but they're having them here for these circumstances for this why to hurt trump that's it all right your calls when i come back greg kelly on the red apple podcast network Yeah, there are 14 people on that space station right now. The one from Baldwin is not up there. I think she's going uh, pretty soon. Wow. Uh, ISS uh, International Space. It's got to be pretty old. How old is that thing? 20 years old? Yikes. All right. Good luck up there. In the meantime, 53 years ago, we were landing on the moon, and I believe this is the landing sequence you'll hear right now. Go ahead. 540 feet out of 15. 60 seconds of gas. Forward. Hey, you got to let it go all the way to where the guy says, copy, Eagle, you're on the ground. We're breathing again. you got a a lot of guys here about to turn blue. Thanks a lot. That's almost the best part. Charlie Duke is the Capcom guy. Uh, He's back in Houston, and he says that we're breathing again. Thanks a lot. Uh, They're only on the moon for like two and a half hours. They wanted to get the hell out of there. They didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Later, you know, we brought a moon buggy, and uh, they stayed for a few days. But uh, the first time it was uh, there and out. Marianne in Philadelphia. Hi there. Hello there, my dear. How are you? Terrific. What's going on? Uh, I have a couple things to tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question after. Um, you know those uh, whining uh, D.C. cops yeah. that you show? 
don't you have a section there, a part where they you see them saying like you know they would do it again, you know they had a good time, they did it, they you know they'd like do it again. Don't you have? Uh, yeah, like one. That? Yeah, they 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 contradict themselves a lot. Fanon said something like that. Yes, he did. You're right. Something like uh, they said they would do it again. You should show that. Well, it was with- a, it was very a schmaltzy thing. It was like you know, and I do it again. Uh, for you know, band of brothers type thing. You know, it was just. But no, those guys are phony. But I know what you're talking about. Maybe I'll take a look for it. What else? Okay, uh, you know the thing about the farmers. The farmers. The farm, the the meat plants, and the farmers and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mean what's going on in Europe and and they're buying? You know, Bill Gates buying all those farms. Yeah, you're spot on about it. And I- uh, yeah, that's with all the fertilizer and everything. You're up in the price. They're causing the farmers to lose their farms, and then they sell the farm to China. They just bought a farm, a large farm in North Dakota that's right next to a very sensitive military base. That's where we fire our uh, international, uh, wait, what do we call them, intercontinental ballistic missiles. That's Minot, North Dakota. It is very sensitive. Something weird is happening, and we haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet. What else? You might get a hold of Mike Walsh about it, and uh, Laura Ingram had it on her show on Monday night. Uh, she had a woman from North Yeah, Dakota. listen, I uh, thanks for letting me know. She's on when I'm on, all right? So uh, I don't watch her show. All right, Marianne, I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, let's see here. Mike is in the Poconos. What's up, Mike? Yo. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Good. Um, I called you on Monday. I talk about George Floyd. You know, uh. when you touched upon, first of all, you know, I always had respect for veterans. I put 25 years in with the MTA, a lot of Vietnam vets. And you'll always be a Marine like my old coach from uh, uh, high school uh, sports. You know, and people, you know, I'm going to bring this up real quick. I mentioned to the producer, Greg. What? BLM. BLM. They raised almost $100 million for BLM. Gee, I wonder where that money's going to. Maybe lining the pockets of some phony Reverends like Sharpton and the others. Bingo! <laughs> it absolutely yeah, bingo. did. It absolutely did. And of, of course, you know about the mansions and all that stuff. Look, it was a great big scam. We all saw it. We ha- we saw it happening in real time. Corporate America, they should be ashamed, especially Amazon. Yeah, they do some great things, but man, they were taken for a ride by BLM. Totally putting BLM on their homepage, you know, all that nonsense. And it caught on, by the way. It caught on. Hey, I saw a video today of people getting shot in Brooklyn. You know, you've Think about it. You see people fire a gun, but seldom do you see somebody fire the gun and the guy getting hit. I saw four of them, and what? And you see the guy actually shooting. And this is what happened when we delegitimized the police department. I got one more. Uh, Jordan in Edison, New Jersey. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi, Greg. Um, you know, when you look at all our wars, and you look at, uh, you know, from the Civil War to World War One and yeah. Vietnam and World War Two, Korea, all of them, right? What? Afghanistan, Iraq, Look at the people, how what they went through, and how those soldiers weren't crybabies. And look at these Capitol Police, the ones that were crying, how disgusting that is. They are, they are not policemen. They're police children. <laughs> police children. I like that, actually. Police children crying like that, being encouraged to cry like that. Why didn't they tell that if they were real cops, they would have told them to pound sand and you're not going to use me in your political show trial? Great point. Police children. I'm going to use that. I got, oh, actually, one more because I'm intrigued by this question. There's a Jeff in Manhattan. Yes, Jeff. What's up about the moon? 
Yeah, so how'd that spaceship take off from the moon? What do you mean, how did it take off? You, are you one well, of those moons? Don't you're not, you're not, wait, hold on. Are you a moon landing skeptic? Absolutely not. But All right, good. Just, you know, I'm, I'm serious. You know, I'm just curious. It's just something that I'm curious about. We, we see a lot of energy expelled from the Earth to get up into the atmosphere. But I'm just curious, you know, how it lifted off. Well, you got to consider two things. Number one, one-sixth the gravity on the moon as we have here at home. So it took one-sixth the amount of energy to achieve the velocity to get out of the moon's gravity, which is fascinating when you think about it. Um, the upper stage, the lunar module, was divided into two sections. So it lands. They left the base on the moon. Here, do me a favor. There's not a good video of it of Apollo 11 or Apollo 12, but Apollo 17. Google Apollo 17 moon launch. Launch from the moon. And you'll see exactly how it works. It's amazing. They blast off from the moon, and they had the moon buggy actually recorded via remote control. Don't forget. Do it, Jeff. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, isn't it weird that the uh, war between Ukraine and Russia is still going on? It's uh, very odd that they can't have a resolution by now. And this skirmishing back and forth. One big mystery solved, though. The Russian military ain't all that much whatsoever. Uh, Great big hollow shell. I am uh, surprised. I'm also a little bit gratified. I think that's uh, fantastic. Hey, one thing. I got to show you. um, (laughs) Martha Raddatz, who's a nice person in real life, goes to uh, Wyoming this past weekend to show everybody that Liz Cheney is going to win the primary. Now, nobody likes Liz Cheney in Wyoming. Nobody likes her. She's being primaried. Uh, She's 20 points behind in the polls. She is, why don't they like her? Well, she voted to impeach Trump, and she's running these phony January 6th hearings. But ABC News, they actually, (laughs) they have a cameraman. They have a reporter. They got to get hotels. They got to get flights. They go all the way there. To find the four people who are who like Liz Cheney, all right, and then they uh, and they're they're amazing. Liz is just amazing, right? Cut thirty six, please. Listen, I am absolutely appalled and beyond myself that I would have a Cheney sign in my yard. I've never been a Cheney fan, but on this particular issue, I just admired that, and that's why it's there. I think that she's doing a good job holding uh president trump accountable and that's you know and that's a tough deal because he's she's republican and so it looks like she's a benedict arnold but in my opinion she's standing her ground i do plan to go uh prior to the primaries change my affiliation back and i I am going to vote for liz if she wins the republican nomination yes would you vote for her in the general election absolutely yeah, she's amazing. I'm a registered Republican, and I have never voted in the primary election, but I'm going to this year because I want to vote for Liz. They all want to vote for Liz. Let's vote for Liz. Uh, they went all the way there to find uh, Liz-friendly voters. And then they find the one guy, so they showed four people who were voting for Liz, and they think the one guy, two people who were voting uh, against her. And they try to talk them out of it. 
<laughs> what do you, you you shouldn't do that. They actually argue with the guy. Uh, cut 37. Hey. I think it was wrong what they did, you know, about entering the Capitol building and everything. But I don't think it was a, an insurrection or anything like that. So they did what they did. But, you know, nobody was hurt. Nobody Except- was hurt? What about the police officers? <laughs> we showed him videos from that day, but... Well, of course, that's not right. But, but all, that happens in, happens in all demonstrations. It does happen in all. De- it happens on a lot of demonstrations. See that they try to convince the guy. They try to convince him that he's wrong. Good for that guy standing up to the fake news, not being swayed by selectively chosen video. And they show that one cop screaming. That's Officer Hodges. And I had a picture of him I showed last night on the Newsmax show exactly nine days later, back in uniform, totally healed, uh, totally fine. You can't see a scratch on him. And he's still whining about this. He's still going around. You know, they let him on MSNBC a lot. He shows up at N- at MSNBC dressed like Bart Simpson, by the way. Shorts and a T-shirt. Guy's 40 years old wearing shorts and a T-shirt on television. Um, that's uh, that's not right. Do they have a dress code down there? Hey, one other thing. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm laying off Fanon for the time being because Fanon had the decency or the courtesy or whatever. Uh, to quit the Metropolitan Police Department. He's going to make such a spectacle out of himself. He's going to you know, say all these crazy things. He had, I think he had an obligation to quit the police and join CNN, and he did that. Now he can say whatever the hell he wants. I don't care. Go for it. You're, uh, you know, you're a talking head now. Uh, people say to me all the time, they say, can you believe what somebody said on Twitter? I'm like, it's, uh, so what? It's, uh, you're allowed to say crazy stuff in America. You're, you're, you're allowed to. I'm not going to get worked up about that. You know, there are certain people, if someone's in power, somebody has influence, somebody, that's another situation. But no, you're, you're allowed to. Uh, somebody came to me today and said, oh, you need to know about, do you know who uh, Aaliyah Malia is? And I'm like, no. Oh, well, she's a uh, big TikToker. And I'm like, so? Well, she just said that anybody who joins the military is an idiot. Well, I don't agree with that, but, I mean, you can say that. It's a free country. Yeah, but Aaliyah Malia is really a big deal. I'm like, who is she? She's on TikTok, okay. Oh, she used to be a porn star. Okay, so we have an ex-porn star who spends her time on TikTok saying things I disagree with. I can't run around making a big deal about that. Name isn't actually Malia. It's Kalia. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nia Kalia? Nia Khalifa. Mia. Oh, so you know who she is. Is she social media? And what else should I know? Is she a big deal? Is she pretty? She what? She is a former porn star. Well, anyway, she wants to say dumb things. She can say dumb things. You can spend all your life having these silly social media. uh, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Mia Khalifa, Lebanese American pornographic film actor. All right. Let's just see what's going on. So is this person... um, are they important? She's 29 years old. Oh, I kind of remember her. She was she grew up Muslim and she grew up very conservative and she threw that all away and became a porno person. Uh, let's see here. I got to tell you, porn is uh is bad. It really is. It's uh it's bad to consume and it's even worse to uh create. I really think so. I've seen it all. 
I have. Um, lots of people have. It's uh, more accessible than ever before. Can anyone ever say they looked at porn and they were like, yeah, I'm really glad I did that. That really did a lot for my self-esteem. No. No, it's horrible. It's trash. It's, um, and we have celebrated it. These young women, oh, they're so strong. And uh, we criticize, if you were to call out any of these folks for, you know, flaunting themselves, they accuse us of body shaming and all that stuff. Wait, shame is not the worst thing in the world. You're supposed to have a little bit of shame. And modesty, remember when modesty was a virtue, people actually talked about it. You know, in so many ways, this, is, this world has fallen. Although, if you look at the Bible, it's supposed to be fallen. It's supposed to be all screwed up. That's the way it comes. Let's see here. She came to widespread attention after the release of a scene from, I'm not going to say that word, in which she wears a hijab during a threesome with some guy named Sean and some girl named Juliana. All right. The scene brought Khalifa instant popularity. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, After, uh, I only heard about this person today. Anyway, she can say whatever the hell she wants. Don't you agree, Gil in Forest Hills? Hello. I certainly do, Greg. Uh, The reason that I called was over the weekend, a reporter asked Mayor Adams about the sanitation crisis in New York City and the growing odor, bad odors in the city that a lot of people are complaining about. Yeah. And he giddily responded by saying, well, I do know that people have more pot now, and what I'm smelling is people smoking pot. And then he giggled like a schoolgirl. As a matter of fact, pal, I think it sounded a little bit like this. Cut 33. Going to the subways, is there any concerning smells again? Yeah, the number one thing I smell right now is pot. It's like everybody is smoking a joint now, you know? (laughs) And that's fun, right, Gil? Oh, boy. I just felt such a wave of revulsion and humiliation for our city. And if people don't get out there to vote and to vote responsible people into office, this is never going to change. And I just hope it's not too late already. Well, Gil, you're right. I had the same reaction, by the way. That's why I ran that clip on my Newsmax show at 10 o'clock, which you, Gil, should be watching. All right. I'm working my ass off and uh, they just moved me to 10 o'clock, which is good for my personal life. But, uh, you know, some of the folks have not found the new show yet at 10 o'clock. So, Gil, I'd appreciate it. One other thing, if you think that giggle was upsetting, how about when he actually gave Stephen Colbert uh, weed? He actually gave him drugs on the set. Listen to this. Cut 34, please. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you it's know? big. And I can't give you this gift. I give it to you later. You know. <laughs> Gil, he's got that same stupid giggle as he hands him marijuana. Everybody knows it's marijuana. That's why everybody's <laughs> everyone's laughing. Because marijuana, it's so cool right now, so hip. Yes, sir. No, I don't think it's hip. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I just think it's sad and pathetic. And um, yeah, don't uh, don't get down, though, Phil. Hey, what's life like in Forest Hills? Do you live in one of those uh, old Tudor houses, or where do you live? I'm 
No, sir. In a garden apartment, uh, I've been living here on and off since the uh, mid-70s. It's still a wonderful neighborhood, but you can see some of the changes, and it's uh, it's kind of tragic. Uh, God help this uh, this wonderful city. Hey, what's that big apartment building? I think it's a garden apartment. It's like the Aston or the Astro or the, you know, the one I'm yes, talking yes, about? I, the what? Yes, I, I, certainly, I certainly do. They call it... Something, the Muse, M-E-W-S, something like that. I know it well. Yeah, Anthony Weiner used to live there. It's an amazing building. Uh, hey, there's one other thing about Forest Hills. If you haven't seen it, there's a movie called, uh, oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, Strangers on a Train by Alfred Hitchcock. And they have a scene at the Forest Hills Tennis Center, which is no longer a tennis center. Well, maybe it is. What do they do there? Yes, I think that it's still a tennis club. All right, you got to check this out. It's called Strangers on a Train, and I think you'll like it. I got one more call. Uh, thanks, uh, Gil. Bob is standing by. Hi, Bob. Hello, Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, I am listening to your show every afternoon, and at 10 o'clock, I never miss it. Thank you, buddy. And I think I'm, I'm a police officer, Lieutenant, and I have a lot of friends in the NYPD and if you want to, if you feel that you want to run for uh mayor of New York City I will personally uh, fu- uh do uh, fund drives for you well bob uh, may take you up on that we'll see i'm not going to do anything for at least 6 months maybe longer you got to wait and see and evaluate and see who else is out there but i am thinking about it I can't let this continue, and I here's my fear that given identity politics, given that uh, the world we live in, um, and given that he's a Democrat, there's probably going to be very – there's probably no one who's going to take him on. They'll be afraid of being labeled a racist. They'll be afraid of uh, of his uh, his clout, this and that, his phony game. I'm not afraid. All right. They've already called me a racist and worst. I'm not a racist. I'm not worst. I, but you can call me anything and it doesn't bother me. It's a strange little uh, knack I've developed. So, and I know I can do a better job as mayor than this guy. I know it. I know it. So we'll see, Bob. And I appreciate it very much. Keep in touch. Okay. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thank Bye. you very much. Uh, how about that? Huh? It's interesting. It's conceivable. I could. I could run for mayor. Now, I'd have to do it. There's, I, I don't think I could do it as a Republican, even though I am more, those are more my values. But I don't think it really cares. People are done worrying about climate change and gender. They want safety. They want cleanliness. They want order. And they don't want this crazy, woke stuff in the classroom. And they don't want our kids sexualized by drag queens coming in uh, once a day to read books and maybe who knows what have them sit on the lap have them uh, get their jollies off I don't know what's going on pretty basic agenda that I would have and I think it would appeal to a lot of Democrats and what would happen is if I ran as a Republican you know they tag me with all the stuff that has nothing to do with our way of life here in the city so I'll look at it and um I'll let you know. I'll let you know. It'd be, t- it'd be tough. It would be tough. No doubt about it. it. It wouldn't be a cakewalk. But anything worthwhile is uh, never easy. Uh, I got to go. I shall return momentarily. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Well, hey, I'm, uh, I might have been all wrong about this Mia Khalifa individual. I, uh, maybe we got to reevaluate. No, it's, uh, it's, it's sad. It's sad that this kind of garbage is celebrated and emulated. How many women and girls have gone off the deep end in our sick culture, our sick, depraved culture? Wow. Uh, who am I thinking of? Who who crossed my mind? Okay, there's this crazy woman out there running around New York. Her name is Liz Smith. She is a PR person. Uh, she has a new book. It's called Any Given Tuesday. I'm going to read it. I'm actually, somehow I enjoy reading books where I really disagree with the author about everything and uh, underlining it and finding all the mistakes. And uh, I know that sounds kind of obnoxious, but... Um, it's kind of fascinating to me that this individual, Liz Smith, is is running around proudly talking about her affair with a married man and then the fact that she got in trouble with work over it. So she's working for Bill de Blasio. This is back in 2012. She's only 32. So this is all beautiful. This is all fun and cute, I guess, when you're in your early 30s. And she's uh, hanging around with Elliot Spitzer. And Elliot Spitzer, by the way, for all of his, um, you know, look, he's had some problems. We all know that. Uh, I think he's married now. Elliot Spitzer, I've been around him. He is a brilliant guy. He's funny. He's interesting. I could see girls liking him. Absolutely. I get it. But, you know, he had some issues, and I hope he's worked through them. Uh, anyway, Liz Smith starts dating him while she's working for Bill de Blasio. I can, you know, for all of the things that are wrong with Bill de Blasio, I could see him finding that a distraction, that being a bit annoying. So she writes this book, a nasty book. It's all about her. And she, you know, criticizes de Blasio, makes fun of him. And he's so uptight about her relationship with, uh, with Spitzer. And I, I just have you no shame. Have you no shame? Who said that once in history? Somebody said it during the McCarthy hearings to Joe McCarthy, who, by the way, (laughs) I'm going to take that back. Joe McCarthy was more right than wrong. But what happened to shame? Uh, She is also in part responsible for giving us Pete boot edge edge. Talk about white privilege. The guy's the mayor of nowheresville, Indiana thinks he can be president. And you know what? I guess because, uh, well, because of this reason, He can be president. And what is that reason? Does it have to do with vision? Does it have to do with integrity? Does it have to do with uh, a lifetime of uh, accomplishment? No, no. I mean, those things are those things are nice. But let's get to the heart of the matter. Cut 21. This is what it's all about with Mayor Pete. Cut 21. Look, being gay is part of who I am, and it's part of my story, and it has shaped me in some important ways. I'm comfortable dealing with bullies. I'm gay, and I grew up in Indiana, so I'm not that worried about that. I am proud of who I am. I'm certainly very proud of my my marriage and of my husband. We don't shy away from that. It took me a long time to figure out how to tell even my best friend that I was gay, let alone to go out there and tell the world. Wow. If only I could run around telling everybody, hey, I'm straight. Hey, uh, I've had a lot of girlfriends. Hey, I... uh, yeah, I've never been with a man. Uh, hey, uh, vote for me. I'm. Uh, I like girls, huh? Deborah, you think that's a pretty camp, a pretty potent uh, campaign slogan yeah. to be uh, mayor? Uh, no. It's uh, so. I just wanted to tell you. Um, do you remember uh, the Candy Man, Sammy Davis Jr.? 
Yeah. The singer. Vaguely. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. He was involved years ago with all the, the pornos in the 60s and 70s. He was really on the scene with that. He wrote in his autobiography. Oh. And he and he did some pretty not so nice things. He said he said he would try everything once. All right. But why are you bringing it up? He, He's been dead for 20 no, years, 30 years. Oh, no, no, no. Because he was involved with some very bad things, not just porno, other things yeah. that were illegal then. Sammy Davis Jr. you're talking about, right? Yeah, Sammy right. Davis wha- Jr., wha- who we revere. Well, I... Well, wait, who who reveres? I, I mean, I don't know anything about the guy. I really, some people are fascinated by that era and the Rat Pack. I'm not one of those people. So why do you bring up, uh, why do you bring him up? No, we were just, you were talking about porn and how disgusting it is. Yeah, I know, but I don't think about Sammy Davis Jr. Well, disgusting. I mean, you really, when you think porno, you think Sammy Davis Jr.? The history of it, I know where it started. It started on the West Coast and the East Coast in Queens. I know exactly how it started. What I, year I read did a lot it? Of the what, books what? 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 The, well, I'm talking about when it when Harry Reams and Linda Lovelace. Oh, and, that uh, stuff. That's a, but porn's been around long. Porn has been around since uh, ancient times. Ancient times. You can find uh, you know uh, depictions of sex and carnality. Uh, you know, amid the hieroglyphics. It's been around for a long time. You can, I'm not suggesting you do, but you know, vintage porn. If you Google that, all kinds of stuff comes up. So uh, it's been around for a long time. I just, no, you know. it's been around. Yeah, I know it's been around. Uh, so have we. But I mean, look. They legal, no, but they legalized it. It should never have been legalized. It's uh, disgusting. Yeah, so waiting. Well, I, I, just, I still don't get the tie-in with Sammy Davis Jr. What does he have to do with any of this? Is it just you how many people backed it up jack nicholson what do you mean uh, backed it up he didn't produce any porno movies well let me know you have to do your history i don't want i'm not going to do my history on this i you know sammy reams was arrested and jack harry reams is dead hey do you know what harry reams did harry reams is dead he later essentially walked away from porn he became a real estate agent i believe in uh in uh utah of all places all right, so look, uh, moving on because we're not getting anywhere with uh, relitigating or. No, I'm or, just saying it is disgusting, and you uh, well, should disgu- run. We you, are behind you here in New Jersey. We love you. Well, that's the problem. You're in New Jersey. I need support well, we in this city. <laughs> All right, we hey Deborah, you. listen. You let me. Run. Let me. Thank you. Hey, don't go. Wait. Hey, don't go. Oh shoot! I got to figure out where. Well, Harry Reach, very conversant and fluent in the pornography. Anyway, just teasing there a little bit. Uh, thanks for the call. And um, Sammy Davis Jr., maybe I will take a look at that. He seemed like a pretty good guy to me. Uh, I have no I have no beef. I have no quarrel. All right. I do have to wrap it up, right? We're there. I will see you tonight on the Newsmax show at 10 o'clock. And I have enjoyed this. Uh, oh, tonight I'm going to have two people on that I really like. The opponent of Liz Cheney in Wyoming. Uh, she's running for Congress. She's doing very well. Her name is um, mm, begins with an H. <laughs> Sorry about that, but uh, I'll know her after tonight. We're also going to have the great law professor Alan Dershowitz on with us. Now, he made major news in the New Yorker magazine. Uh, this guy, you know, he's liberal. He voted for Hillary, all that stuff. But I love him. He believes in the rule of law. He believes in the Constitution, not corrupting it not doing any the january 6 hearings he's infuriated by them they are so un-american so anyway uh thanks for listening i'll see you tonight at 10 o'clock on newsmax 
Uh, good luck finding it. It is available, and if you you may have to call the cable company or download the app. I'll see you later.